meditating on this particular verse. On um, uh, it's in Second Corinthians chapter five, <coughs> and um, um, I wanted to read uh, uh, really the first part of verse fourteen. It says Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen says, "For the love of Christ constraineth us, or constrains us." And um, I, I was just looking at this uh, verse one time uh, years ago. And um, first of all, where it says the love of Christ, that word love there is agape love. And so we know, according to Romans chapter 5, that when you get born again, that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. So everywhere you go, you already have the love of God with you. And so sometimes people say, well, I can't love them and, you know, things like that. That's not technically true if the love of God lives in your heart, which it does if you're a Christian. Uh, and so you have to choose to yield to that love. Amen. And so that's really the issue is not that you can't love them. It's it's you haven't yielded to that love that's in your heart. Uh, but this particular verse says that the love of Christ constrains us. And, um, you know, you immediately think of well, constraining means God's tying you down. You know, he's holding you back. Right. Oh, you know, uh, if it wasn't for the love of God, you know, I, I would say mean things to you or, you know, whatever we would do. Right. Uh, but that's not really the 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 uh, connotation that it's talking about here when he says it constrains us because God's not in the business of holding you back and, and putting you in bondage and tying you down and putting handcuffs on you. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we would do if we were the Lord, but thankfully, thankfully we're not the Lord, right? Uh, and so that word constrains us means that uh, if you go and look up the definition, it, it's talking about, anybody remember, uh, uh, I grew up on a farm. We had some farm animals and things, and, and um, we had um, uh, we didn't really use them because we only had like one cow, you know, and you can only one cow at a time. But uh, uh, but if you get a lot of cattle, you have uh, what's called a cattle chute. Anybody know what a cattle chute is? Right, so you have a big cattle truck, and you're gonna offload the cattle uh, from the truck into like a cattle pen, and so you put a cattle chute that directs the cattle to go in the particular direction. Right, you don't want them wandering this way, or wandering, you want them to go from the truck into the cattle pen of course now they don't know that they're going to be eaten someday that's why they're getting in that uh, direction there you know you can't take this analogy too far obviously right but uh but the point of the, the cattle shoot is to direct them into a certain path it doesn't hold them doesn't you know chain them up or, or tie them up it's directing them to a specific destination and that's the, the what the love of god when he constrains us he's he's trying to direct us into a specific destination yeah. and uh, uh that's a lot different connotation that well, he's holding me back because if he didn't hold me back, you know, I'd really tell you what I think about you. You know, that's not what he's talking about. The love of God doesn't do that. The love of God's always saying this is the path of blessing for you. This is the path of blessing for the people around you, that if you'll follow this path, that it's the path, the best path that you can walk in. And if we could get it settled in our hearts that everything that God wants us to do is always for our best, our best benefit and for the benefit of those around us. Amen. Uh, and so. Uh, if we could be okay with that, you know, a lot of times, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, that's fine, but, you know, we're all really dumb, right? None of us are smart enough to know how to get out of the rain if it wasn't for, you know, people around us and the Lord. Uh, and the Lord always knows the best path for our lives in every, every situation, every circumstance. And he says the love of God will constrain you in that. So, you know, if we can learn to yield to that love which already is in our hearts, then our whole lives will be better in every area, right? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter. What matters is, are we following that path that he's preordained for us? That Because the love of God has, con has constrained that path, right? Uh, because he cares about us. And he doesn't just care about us. He cares about the people around us. Amen? Uh, and so I've just been meditating on that because, uh, you know, I want the love of God to constrain me. I want the love of God to always take me down the path uh, of full blessing. Amen? Uh, and it's not just the blessings of stuff and things. It's a blessing of peace and fullness of joy and gladness of heart. Uh, you know, all of those fringe benefits that come along with being constrained by the love of God. Uh, because it, it's not, uh, you know, a lot of times people think, well, you know, on the inside of me, I want to say all these terrible things. But, you know, the Lord's going to constrain me from saying those things. No, really, the love of God wants to take those things out of you so they're not there to begin with. Amen. Uh, and that's really the goal. Uh, ultimately the goal, but uh, as far as working with the love of God, he wants to direct your path in, in all that you do and all that you say. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you're a doormat, you know, the, because people always get afraid, well, I'm going to be a doormat. And, and all you have to look at is, was, is ask the question, was Jesus ever a doormat? 
I mean, I know he was crucified, but that's not our job. You know, he did that for us. You know, we don't have to be crucified. But uh, uh, did Jesus do all right by himself? Did he turn out okay? Everything will be all right for the life of Jesus? I think he turned out all right. You know, you see it at the right hand of the Father. That's a pretty good upgrade, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, Jesus was not anybody's uh, doormat. And, uh, and uh, I know sometimes people get, uh, especially when they need some, um, uh, just some help, you know, the, some people just think so little of themselves that they almost <clears throat> feel like they have to be somebody's doormat, you know, and that's another whole discussion there. But, um, but no, the love of God wants to constrain you. The love of God wants to help direct your path in all that you do because uh, all the blessings of the Lord are found in your obedience to the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, so I just want to encourage you about that, that he will constrain us, but not from holding us back and tying us down and putting a muzzle on us. That's not the constraint that the Lord does. He says, here's the path to the best place of your life. Follow that and all will be well. Amen. And so that's a pretty good deal. I think it's a pretty good deal. Amen. And so why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship. in his presence you know the more that you spend time in the presence of the lord the more that you want to spend time in the presence of the lord you know and i, I think that's what uh i think that's what happened to our friend enoch you know back in the old testament that uh it says that enoch walked with god and he and he was not it says for god took him but i think he just slipped over in the spirit realm spent so much time with the lord that uh he just didn't want to come back and and um, there's only two people in the bible that never faced physical death, uh, it was our friend Enoch and then um, um, Elisha, or, or Elijah rather, um, those two were both taken up into heaven, and so um, that'd be okay to go that way, wouldn't it, amen? Um, well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5, we'll get started there today, so we've been teaching on um, the Beatitudes, but we kind of uh, been wallowing around talking about the heart. Now, let's think it's a good, a good area to, um, to talk about because uh, he said here in verse 8, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So that's got to be a pretty important uh, thing, right? If, if, uh, uh, if he said that if we will be pure in heart, we will see God, uh, then that's got to be an important beatitude, amen? It's got to be a blessing that would be to our advantage to figure out, well, how can, can we live that way? Uh, and as we've mentioned already that being pure in heart is not a measure of your righteousness, your lack of sin. It's really the, the quality of uh, you allowing your will to hook up with your spirit man. Uh, we talked a lot about spirit, soul, and body. Uh, but your spirit man, if you're born again, is alive unto God. It's perfect. It's pure. There's no errors in it. And if you will choose to yield to that on a daily basis, you will have a pure heart. You will live in a pure heart. So it's not about removing sin from your life. It's about yielding to what your spirit man wants you to do. Uh, and that would be the uh, ideal uh, in our lives, that if we could do that, you know, we would never have a sad day. We would never have a day where our emotions ran over us. Uh, we could live free from sickness and disease, free from the destruction of the earth, free from economic disasters. Uh, we could live a life that's, that's uh, what Jesus said, that, uh, uh, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, right? We're just there in chapter 5, but just over in chapter 6, Jesus said that we could have that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> well, what is the will of heaven? What's heaven like? They got um, uh, high inflation in heaven. Uh, you reckon lumber costs a, a gazillion dollars in heaven? It's all free in heaven, right? Uh, and so, uh, of course, I know they don't really have lumber in heaven, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, and so, uh, you reckon gas prices are high in heaven? No, there's no gas prices in heaven at all, right? So, uh, but whatever heaven is like, that's what his desire is for us on this earth. Well, we can live that way. We don't have to uh, trudge through life, right? And in fact, I was, uh, uh, you know, scrolling through the, the, the Facebook black hole that you get through there sometimes, you know, and someone put a song. It's an old song from the 1700s. It's talking about on Jordan's stormy banks, I, I, I stand, right? and look with a wistful eye across uh, my fair and happy land, something like that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, it's a terrible song because I'm not standing on the banks looking over at the promised land. The promised land is a type of life in the Holy Spirit. I'm living in the promised land right now. Because uh, how many giants uh, are in heaven? How many enemies are in heaven? 
Well, the promised land can't be heaven then because they were giants to destroy and there, there was land to conquer and enemies to, to take care of. There's no enemies in heaven. So uh, the, the promised land is not, uh, it's not uh, heaven. <clears throat> Standing here, wow, I wish I could have some blessings, but I guess I got to die before I get them. That's a terrible, isn't that terrible? Uh, uh, try selling that deal to anybody, right? I got a great deal for you. Oh, you get all these blessings. What are I going to get them? Well, you just got to die. Uh, you want to start today? Uh, you know, who, who wants that deal, right? You mean, so now, between now and my last breath, I get nothing. Nope, you get nothing. Well, you do, you get, you get sickness and disease. You get poverty. You know, you get a hard life. It's so hard being a Christian. That's what you get. But then you die and you get, and it's okay. When the, well, can I just put it off till the day before I die then? I mean, you know, uh, I mean, who wants that deal? Nobody wants that deal. It's a bad deal, right? Uh, and so, uh, now that's not what it is. The deal is days of heaven upon the earth. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it multiple times. The Old Testament says it. New Testament says it. Uh, and it's not about stuff. It's about uh, living a life of joy and peace on this earth. Amen. And yeah, there are things to deal with. It's not that we don't have things to deal with, but whatever things we have to deal with, we have the name of Jesus, the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to overcome and to, to be a, uh, live as a victorious Christian in this earth. Uh, in fact, he said over in 1 John that this is the victory that overcometh the world. What? even our faith. So if you can overcome the whole world, what's left to overcome? I mean, you've, you've won, right? Uh, me against the world, and you win. That's a pretty good deal, right? Now, that's what, the, that's what the Bible says. But then, you know, people don't know. They write songs like, on, on Jordan's stormy banks, I, I lie, whatever. You know, I, it's so full of doubt and unbelief. I, don't, uh, I can't even say it, you know. Uh, but, um, and I'm thankful I didn't grow up in church like that, which sang all those, uh, all those awful songs. You know, for, uh, uh, for a long time, uh, I couldn't even listen to Christian music because so much Christian music is, Lord, I'm so bad. You know, I've, I've, done, I've done you wrong and I've been so unfaithful, but I know that you love me anyway, and, uh, but maybe you'll help me. And, and it, it's like nobody ever does any good in these Christian songs. Where's the Christian song? Lord, I love you every day. You know, you've been so good to me and I, and I, I get up every day wanting to praise you and, and, I, and I live for you for days, weeks, months, and years at a time and, and all is well. Where are those songs, right? I know those are out there somewhere, but, but so much of, of Christianity is, Lord, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, and well, straighten up, just do better. Well, I mean, why do you got to sing, spend, write songs, you know, about that? And, and, and I got in trouble because there was one song that was real popular for a while. It was, um, uh, it's called Reckless Love. Anybody ever heard that song, Reckless Love? Well, the song is, Lord, you know, uh, you're going to come chase me even when I do wrong. You're going to find me in, in all these things, and no matter what I do wrong, you're still going to hunt me down and, and, and chase me, and and I'm like, I am not singing a song about backsliding with the Lord. The, no, we're not singing that song. Oh, but it's a great song, you know. It's not a great song. It's a terrible song. Now, I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to confess that, Lord, tomorrow I'm going to backslide. But you're going to come save me anyways. I know he will. But I'm not confessing that. I'm not, I'm not planning on that. Yeah, I'm planning on backsliding tomorrow. How about you? You want to go backslide? Where you want to go back? it's terrible songs and, and, and it was so popular because it's just oh it tugs at your heartstrings and, and it just you know just blah 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 it's just terrible song and, and, and you know I, uh, I wanted to read here in Ezekiel uh, 36 it says here this is, this is the prophecy from the prophet Ezekiel of what the Lord wants to do this is where he wanted to get to for the church right so he's prophesying this thousands of years ago uh, and, and he says in verse 26 this is Ezekiel 36 26 he said, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. So this is the prophecy of the whole end game of redemption, these verses right here, to get the spirit of God inside of us. If you've got the spirit of God inside of you, there's nothing you can't do. Nothing you can't conquer, nothing you can't overcome, nothing you can't be successful in. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. That's the goal of, of the New Testament. That's the goal of, of Christianity. That's how God desires us to live, and we have the ability to live that way. But you, but you listen to a lot of the church, and you think, have you ever read the Bible? Did, did, did you forget that the same power that created the universe, everything you see, every, every tree and plant and bug and and, and cloud was created by the power of God. And that lives inside of you right now. How could you possibly not be successful? 
How, how could you possibly get just every day, oh, it's so hard, this is so hard. And, you know, people don't, do, people just get up, regular people just get up and go to work. It's so hard. Why do you go to work? Because I got to go to work. Well, is that hard? Well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's neither hard nor not hard. I just do it. That's what I got to do. But you listen to Christians and it's, oh, it's so hard. It's a, you mean you, you've got the greatest power living inside you. They've got nothing. You've got the word of God. They've got nothing. You've got the name of Jesus. They've got nothing. And your life is harder than theirs. Uh, it, uh, sometimes I just wonder about the church. You know, it's just, uh, uh, and uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, uh, the Bible has so many good things to say. And then we come up with stuff like that. You know, I, I just uh, wonder about us. So let's turn over to the book of Hebrews. I wanted to, to finish a little bit talking about uh, the uh, one, one more area of the heart. Because I think we've got about uh, two or three more areas of the heart that we want to talk about. Uh, and then we, then we can go on with the rest of the Beatitudes. But uh, I think it's really important because the heart, uh, you know, just this word heart there, the, word, the Greek word cardia is, is mentioned over a hundred times in the New Testament. So it's kind of an important topic uh, to, to look at. If the Lord mentions that a hundred times in the New Testament, it's got to be something that he wants us to know about. Uh, and so, uh, so we read over in Ezekiel that his desire is that we would get a heart of flesh, right? He would take the stony heart out of us and put a heart of flesh in us. That means it's pliable. That means when the Lord wants to change something in our lives that it's easy to, to work with, right? You, you ever work with like Play-Doh and you know, clay and that kind of things? When, when, it's, when it's pliable, it's easy to work with, right? You can mold it in the shape that you want it to be, but then you put it in the kiln and you, and you, you bake it, and then it's impossible, right? You can't, you can't move it. It's, it, won't, it, it is unmovable. Uh, and that's fine if you're making a dinner plate, right, or a little figurine, but it's not fine if you want to change it, Amen. Uh, if you want to change its course and direction and change what it thinks and changes what it, what it says, then, it, then that's not the kind of material that you want to use. You want to have material that's easy to work with. And so here in the book of Hebrews, he said in chapter 3, he said in verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, uh, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation. Where provocation just means rebellion when, when the nation of Israel rebelled against the Lord in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And he repeated himself in verse 15. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. So, now he's writing this to the church, right? This is written to us. This is not written to the world. that Their hearts are already hardened. You know, they need to replace the stony heart with a heart of flesh. Well, we've been given a heart of flesh. As a child of God, you've got a heart of flesh in you right now. But you can take that heart and make it immovable, make it unpliable. Uh, and I was thinking about, uh, you know, we, uh, a lot of you know our dog Clark, right? He's like famous dog Clark. Uh, and, uh, and he's a great dog, you know, he, he's a good dog. But he, he's got kind of little man syndrome, right? He's, he's short, you know, he's got, uh, on the inside he's really big. But on the outside he's not really big, right? But, you, but he would never know that, right? And, and so, I mean, if you ever heard him bark, he, he was, uh, uh, we were having some work done at the house one time. And he was, we put him up in the laundry room to stay away from the uh, contractors. Uh, and when they came in, he started barking, and he sounds like a bear. I mean, if you ever heard him bark, he just—he's got this huge. And they're like, "I'm not going in there. You go in there. I'm not going in there." And they were terrified because they thought it'd be this big monster dog, you know. And uh, and he saw him like, "That's it. That's all you got, you know." But uh, uh, and so, but if you take him for a walk, you know, he—he's super. He loves going walking. He's alpha dog, right? He's got to be out ten feet in front of you, you know, and that—that's his thing. Uh, but then if it's hot outside, because he's, he's a little black dog, right? So he gets, he gets a black fur and he gets real hot. Uh, when he's gone as far as he's going to go, he'll just stop. And when he plants those four feet down there, I mean, you can't move him. Uh, you know, he's set in concrete. Uh, you, know, you, can, uh, you know, you can just tie a boat to him because he's, he's an anchor. He, he will not move, right? Uh, and that's the way our hearts can get. As a Christian, our hearts has the, have the ability because we can choose <clears throat> how our heart operates we can choose to just plant our feet and say, no, I'm not doing it, Lord. And he'll be like, yeah, but you need to forgive him. I'm not doing it. But you need to be kind. I'm not doing it. Well, you need to stop that. I'm not doing it. And the same thing, when Clark decides he ain't doing it, then we just, we just, let, him, we just let him there. We just, we just, we'll see you in a minute, Clark. We'll go on and finish our walk. And he'll wait till we come back. And then when we, when we see us heading home, he'll, he'll go with us. But once he's, when he's gone as far as he can go, that's it. Uh, and in church, sometimes we're the same way, right? When we go as far as we're willing to go, we're great until that moment, and that's it. And he said, don't do that. Don't. So if he says don't do that, you know what that means? You mean you have a choice, right? And that's what I love about the Word of God, because I can't help it. 
if the word of God is so, you can help it, right? Because he said, don't do this. That means you can choose not to do it or you can choose to do it. Amen. And so we need to make sure that our words are accurate when we say things that if we say things like, well, I can't help it. That's not technically true. You don't want to help it. That's that's true. Right. And that's OK. At least it's honest. It's wrong. But at least it's honest to say I can help it is dishonest. And you're trying to remove, uh, you know, it, it's well, you know, it's an excuse. Right. An excuse is just a lie wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's not true. But you're trying to remove guilt without repentance from you. Well, it's not my fault. It is your fault. If you choose to harden your heart, 100% your Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, that, that may be true. But you can still choose to harden your heart or you can choose not to harden your heart. Uh, and, and see, the, the thing is, uh, if you go to chapter 4, where it says, um, well, if you, let's, let's just start, well, let's just start in verse 1. He says, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So when the word of God comes, our job is to receive that word of God with faith. Say, Lord, I can do that. If you told me to do it, I can do it. That's mixing it with faith. If the word of God is preached to you like it was preached to them and they go, I can't do that. See, then you're not mixing with faith and you have the same results that they had. Right. And, and so he said uh, that it did not profit them. So, see, the word of God has the ability to profit us, not just in our bank account, in our in our day to day lives. We don't have all this baggage. You know, uh, some people, they got their. Uh, I remember one one time my my pastor had a guest minister. And, you know, sometimes you don't know him. You just you're throwing the darts. You know, I'm really picky about who who speaks here, you know. Uh, but, you know, every now and then you just get a dud for whatever reason. And, and uh, this one person decided to pray for my pastor and, and they started laying hands on him and said, Lord, help him carry the all the boxcar loads of worries and, and uh, uh, problems he's got in his life. Uh, and he's like, no, I ain't got no boxcar loads of well, I'm supposed to cast all my care upon him. Right. And what we're supposed to do. Right. Cast our care. So if I cast all my cares upon him, then how many cares do I have? None, right? So if I'm doing the word of God, I don't have boxcar loads of, and, I, and the last thing the Lord wants to do is help me carry them because it's not my job to carry them. I'm supposed to cast them over to him, right? Cast my cares upon him. So, uh, but people love, oh, don't, don't, doesn't that sound spiritual? Doesn't it make you want to cry? Oh, Lord, help them. It's so hard. Help them carry this boxcar loads of weights and, and cares and worries. And we're supposed to have zero. That's how many cares and worries and woes. Zero, right? And if it's ever more than zero, then you said, you've got to do some casting. The Lord's not going to give you, oh, Lord, just give me a stronger engine. Just, give, help, just help strengthen me, Lord, to carry this weight. He ain't doing it. That's his job. He'd be like, dummy, I told you not to, not to carry them. I told you that I was going to carry them. Yeah, but I want to carry them, Lord. That's not your job. You know, and you're going to compete with the Lord? You're going to take his job from him? I, I wouldn't do that, but, uh, but people do it all the time, right? Christians do it all the time. You see, Christians are just so bedraggled and just beat down and yeah, I told you I was at a, at a revival and, and, and it was a, a lady minister and she, she was in the pulpit and she bends over. She goes, she does, oh, it's been so hard. All oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. And, 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 you know, I raised my hand. They didn't call on me. I want to ask questions like, what's wrong with you? You know, what do you mean? You, if the devil, kick him off. If he's on your back, kick him. He doesn't have a right to be there. But, but see, it plays good to the crowd, right? The crowd's, oh, you're right. I, sister, I, I'm the same way. I got a smile. Life is so hard. And you're going to heaven. How bad can it be? And, and of course, that's not what the, what the Word of God says. The Word of God says we've got the name of Jesus. The Word of God says the devil's defeated. Amen. He's a dethroned power. Amen. That's what the Word of God says. But that doesn't preach nearly as good as, you know, you can live life without any problems. And people are like, well, he doesn't live in the world I live in. But I do live in the world you live in. I just live in the world without problems. Amen. Uh, and, and so, but, you know, I, I, I was uh, years ago, I was preaching about just along these lines and talking about how I got no drama in my life. You come to my house, peace and quiet all the time. Right. No worries at my house. Just I live days of heaven every day at my house. Right. There's no drama, nothing. Uh, and. And someone comes up in the church, comes up that I hope you have the worst grandkids. I hope they're the worst rotten grandkids because my grandkids are rotten. They've just ruined my life all the time. And, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why would you wish that on me? First of all, if your kids grandkids are rotten, send them home. If they, if they, I mean, you know, that's the whole that value of being a grandparent is you send them home. If they're rotten, you send them home. 
Uh, and, you know, when our kids were right, we'd send them to grandma's house, you know. Because uh, whatever you want to do, just, you know, I think in the 18 years when they went visit her, they never heard the word no one time, you know. Uh, and so, and that's fine, right? Because that's the whole the great thing about being a grandparent. I'm fixing to be a grandparent, right? About a few weeks later, and, uh, and uh, when he's rotten, I'll send him home, you know. Uh, and, but he won't be rotten. He'll be a good kid, I'm sure. Uh, and so, but he, yeah, I hope they're rotten. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, those kind words, you know, and, and so, uh, but I don't have any drama, but I choose to live that way. You know, I choose to live that way because the word of God says I can live that way. So they didn't mix it with faith and then they heard it. So, so your job is to, when the word of God goes forth, Lord, I can do that. That's mixing with faith. Lord, I can have that. Lord, I can be that way. Uh, to harden your heart says, I ain't doing it. I know that's what the word says. I ain't doing it. See, that's hardening your heart. That's you making a decision that you know more than the Lord, that the Lord can't come through, the Lord's not able to do what he says, that uh, nobody can live this way, it's not realistic, you know, whatever, whatever excuse we want to come up with, but none of those things are true. It's always possible. If the Word of God says it, then it's possible. Uh, and it, it, whether you're living it or not, it's still possible for you to live it, amen? Uh, and so what, what we should do to have a pliable heart with the Lord is when we read the Word of God and we see, well, I'm way over here, the Word of God is way over there, then, Lord, how do I get from here to there? That's, what, that's mixing it with faith. And saying, well, Lord, that's so far away, I can never get there. That's, that's hardening your heart. That, that's uh, living with doubt and unbelief like the children of Israel did. And so, again, he comes on down to verse 7. Uh, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So there, just a lot of things that the Lord was saying about uh, hardening our hearts, right? Uh, and the, the nice thing is, it's our choice. Amen? God doesn't harden hearts. In fact, we're going to look at, uh, we're gonna look at um, um, I think, our friend Pharaoh here in just a minute. Um, in fact, yeah, yeah, we can go over there. We can go, uh, well, we find what we want to go to. Um, yeah, let's turn, let's turn back because we'll, we'll see something in, in Exodus. So we know the story in Exodus with um, our friend the Pharaoh, right? And, th- and this will help us because I see this a lot even in the world today. So it says here in Exodus chapter 8, uh, let's, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's start in verse uh, 15 here. It says, And when Pharaoh saw that, they, uh, that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Now, the context of this, chapter 8, is the plague of the frogs, right? So there, there was 10 plagues, uh, and this particular plague is a plague of the frogs. It's the second one. And so, you know, uh, the frogs came, and eventually Pharaoh said, Hey, you know, Moses, can you do anything about this? You know, you guys, if you, if you take away the frogs, you can go worship the Lord. And, and Moses said, Okay, fine. So he prayed to the Lord, the Lord took away the frogs, and then the frogs were gone. And so Pharaoh saw that the, that the plague was over, and instead of following up with what he said he would do, it says that he hardened his heart uh, and hearkened not unto them. Uh, and so, and then um, uh, in the same, same chapter there, verse 19, it says, uh, this is the third plague with lice. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Now, see, the Lord would come to Pharaoh and say, through Moses, let my people go. And Pharaoh, because Pharaoh was thought of himself as a god. Now, he was never a god. He knew he wasn't a god, but he thought he was a god because people worshipped him. Uh, and, and, but he knew in his heart that he wasn't a god, but he liked acting like he was. And then a real god shows up, and he doesn't like it. And so the Lord said, let my people go. He said, I'm not doing it. Now, see, a pliable heart, would, when the Lord gives a commandment, and, and the Lord, even through the Old Testament, many times he would work with people outside of the nation of Israel, kings and different people, and they would yield to the Lord, and they would, they would, they would accept Jehovah as being God, even though they weren't uh, of the covenant of Israel, they would ex- still accept the Lord as God, uh, but see, Pharaoh wouldn't do it, there was competition, and so Pharaoh would harden his heart, uh, and then again, down in verse uh, 32, it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the pe- people go, so again, he was, uh, the Lord kept coming to him, let my people go, and, and he, would, he would lie and basically say, oh, yeah, if you, if you get rid of this plague, I'll let him go. And then, of course, the Lord would do what he said. And, and you know, you reckon the Lord didn't know? You know, I thought he was going to do it this time, but I, I guess he didn't do it. 
No, a lot of times the Lord will work with you just whatever you say. Even though he knows you're lying, but he'll take what you say at face value, and well, then that's where we're going to go, right? And then, then you can see uh, the fruit of that later on. And, you know, I've learned a lot from that, that, uh, uh, you know, I, I generally go with what people say. And unless the Lord says, don't do that, you know, but if, if people say certain things, you know, hey, I'll be there Tuesday, okay. Even though I know, you know, I put all my money in the world that they're not going to show up on Tuesday, but, you know, if they say Tuesday, okay, uh, you know, that's fine, right? Uh, and I, I remember years ago, I let uh, uh, someone borrow some money, and a family member borrow some money, and, and um, I got no loss, right? Because uh, sometimes we make a lot. Well, I don't. I don't lend people money. I don't lend family members money. Well, see that in a sense that's hardening your heart because what are you going to do if the Lord says lend them some money, right? I don't have a. a, a I'm never going to lend them money, and I don't have a. I always lend them money. I mean, sometimes they've called and I said no, and and like what? You mean no? Yeah. What about no? What no about no that you understand, right? No just means no, and but I'm not unkind about it. Uh, but the, but one time you know brother uh, asked to borrow some money. I let him borrow the money. And uh, he said, I'll pay you back at a certain time. Okay, fine. Well, when the time came, I found out that they're in Disney World. Uh, yeah, you know, now look. And then he, would stop, he stopped calling me, right? He stopped answering his phone and uh, went dark on me. And so, you know, someone else in the family asked about it. And I said, well, it's a shame that, you know, that he would cut off our relationship for this little bit of money. And, and, um, and then he called me up and, well, what do you want me to do? I just want you to do what you said you was going to do. You said you'd pay it back at this time, you know, and you could have said, hey, would it be okay if I, instead of paying you back? Because I didn't need the money, but that's what he said that he was going to do. So, okay, then that's what, then, then that's what I expect you to do, right? Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, and, and I said, you know, you could have called and said, you know, is it okay if we go to use that money to go to Disney World instead? I wouldn't have cared, you know, but you said you're going to do that. So, you know, and that's the way the Lord operates with us is we say we're going to do it. Then that's, that's what he expects. Even if he knows we're not going to do it, that's the way he operates with us. And, you know, he did this 10 times with Pharaoh and, and he knew it. You think the Lord knew he, he's going to lie every time, every single time he knew he was going to lie. Right. Uh, but then you come down to uh, chapter nine and it says in verse seven and Pharaoh sent it. Behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead and the, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened by himself uh, and he did not let the people go. And then finally, uh, same chapter, verse 12, it says, And the Lord uh, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And, and so all these times it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And the very last time it talks about it, it says the Lord hardened his heart. Uh, and, and people think, well, the Lord went into his heart and he turned it into stone. But it wasn't the Lord's doing. Uh, and, and I was just meditating on this many years ago, and the Lord showed me what he was talking about here, that uh, the Lord kept coming to Pharaoh, said, let my people go, do these things. Uh, and, you know, Pharaoh wasn't doing it. So uh, the thing about the Lord is he will be consistent forever. He's not going to go, okay, well, you know, since, since you're not going to let him go, let's just go to plan B. You want to, you know, you just you, you can stay in the land of Goshen, we'll set up a little crash there, and you can, you know, worship me uh, there in Egypt. Uh, no, that's not the way the Lord operates. He will, once he says it, that's it. And he will never change. And the problem with that is we always want God to change. We want God, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it, Lord. And you know what he's going to do tomorrow? You need to do it. I'm not doing it, Lord. The next day, you still need to do it. Lord, I'm not, I don't care what you do, Lord. I'm not doing it. You know, tomorrow he's still going to say, you need to do it. Whatever it is, you know, whatever the thing that he wants you to do, you need to do it. And he'll do that for decades with people. He will work with people for years and years and years. You need to yield. You need to do this. And we will harden our heart. No, I'm not doing it, Lord. And he'll come back tomorrow. You need to do that. Uh, and so, because God will not change, then our hearts get hardened because of God. And so, if, if it wasn't for God, then, then Pharaoh's heart wouldn't have been hardened. And that's, and that's really why it says God hardened it. He hardened it because he's God. And because he's God, he won't change. Pharaoh got his heart, he allowed his heart to be hardened because of God. And so that's why, you know, it's just, it's just the way it's written. that it says God hardened, but God didn't actually go and harden it. It was hard because God would not change. And God is going to stay the same. And if you don't like it, he's still not going to stay the same. I mean, he's still going to stay the same. Amen. It's like people say, well, I don't believe in Jesus. He's still, he's still Jesus. He's still real. I don't believe he's coming back. He's still coming back. You know, it doesn't matter what you say. He's still God. He's going to do what he says. Amen. Uh, and so 
uh, we, can get, we can end up being like Pharaoh and getting our hearts hardened and, uh, and it ends up being a big, a big mess for us, amen? Uh, and we end up not being able to receive from the Lord. And In fact, back to Hebrews chapter 4, he says, we cannot enter into his rest with a hard heart. And if you look at all the conditions of the heart that we've talked about, the worst one is that. Now, it's rare that people's hearts are hardened in every area of their life. Usually it's in one area. Sometimes it's dealing with a particular person, right? Sometimes it's dealing with a particular situation or, or you know, whatever the thing is. And, uh, and um, <clears throat> you know, years ago, uh, I've, I've told you plenty of the stories when I was with my pastor, uh, but there was one fellow in the church who was just decided that, that he's going to break me, right? He's going he's to destroy me, destroy my character, and he would lie about me and tell all kinds of stories about me in the church, right? And we're at church. We're going to the same church, right? And he would whisper you know, about me. And, uh, and uh, you, you never know why he was so mad at me, Jerry. I don't know. You never did know why he just hated me, you know, uh, if you could hate somebody like that. Uh, and so, but just all the time, you know, one time we were in, in, in a meeting uh, and he says, uh, uh, they were asking, well, you know, what should we do? Anybody got any suggestions? And we were in a praise and worship meeting. I said, well, you know, a lot of times uh, this guy over here is telling this guy what to do, and this guy over here is telling this guy what to do. I said, why don't we focus on doing what our parts are better and then not tell everybody else what to be doing all the time? I mean, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing, right? And he said, you're just trying to take over. I thought you asked me my opinion. Isn't that my, don't I, if you ask me my opinion, don't I have a, an opportunity to tell you my opinion? That's my opinion. Does that sound like I'm trying to take over? You all need to answer to me. I didn't say that. I said, why don't we all just walk in love? You know, it seems like a pretty reasonable thing to say, right? He said, you're just trying to take over. And, and normally I don't even respond. I said, I'm not trying to take over. He said, yes, you are, because the Holy Spirit told me you were. Like, okay, that's nah, over. You know, I mean, you start dropping names. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't tell him because it didn't happen, right? And, but uh, I can't tell you how many. Uh, he's doing this in public, right? To all the, and everybody else is like, yeah, you're right. You're a horrible person, you know? And so it was pig pile on chip. And uh, anybody ever played pig pile? We used to play pig pile growing up because I'm the youngest of 11. And it's the worst game in the world, right? Because we'd all be playing out in the yard and somebody look and go, pig pile on chip. And he literally just jump on you. That's the whole goal, just jump on you. And you're suffocating, right? And you got to start screaming and lying. I'm dying, right? I'm, you punctured my lung and I can't breathe. And because uh, they're just, they're just, and they won't get off. And so you just, you know, you, you just try to survive as best you can growing up. But, but they would do this, you know, and pig pile on me and, uh, and, and just, uh, and this went on for years, for years. This fella just, whatever, whatever thorn got in his craw about me, yeah, he just, he just couldn't stand, you know, couldn't stand my presence. and would just, just stuff like that all the time for years. Now, and then, of course, a lot of things happened. My pastor died, and then, you know, uh, a lot of people ended up leaving the church, and, and he ended up leaving the church, and, and, um, and this was years after that. Uh, and, and in fact, one time, uh, just before my pastor died, he, he had lunch. He took me out to lunch. He said, I just want to apologize if I've ever done anything to you. I'm thinking, what do you mean, if? Would you like a list? I mean, you know, it's just like a scroll. It'd be like a, you know, a database, you know, all the dozens of times, right, publicly, uh, just being so cruel and, and rude and unkind towards me, if I've ever done anything to you. And then, so that wasn't bad, bad enough. He said, I was just doing what I was told. Oh, well, then it's okay. God won't judge you if you just do what you're told, right? I mean, if, no matter what's wrong, if they tell you to rob a bank, you know, the judge will let you off too, right? But judge, I, I didn't want to rob the bank. The guy told me to rob the bank. And the judge would be, no problem, you're off. You think you get off the hook for that? No, you don't get off the hook for that. Uh, you just doing what you're told? Oh, yeah, no problem. All right. Unless you've got mental problems. I know that's a different discussion, but, you know, and maybe this guy had mental problems, I don't know. But, but he said, I was just doing what I was told. You know, you will always be judged for everything you do, regardless of why you did it. Amen? I mean, that's a real thing. It, it's not just, you know, well, the Lord's going, oh, okay, it's okay. It's not okay. Right is right and wrong is wrong. doesn't matter what the motivation was, why you did it, when you did it, how long you did it. It's still right and wrong. Amen? Yeah, and so, but then years later, see, now, now, you know, some people, I don't like being around. You know, I just, I don't like being around pride. I don't like being around uh, Pharisees. I don't like being around super religious people. I just, you know, I just, it's not that, I don't, it's not that I'm, I'm in unforgiveness towards I just, you know, it's like, you can't go home and take a shower after being around them. You know what I'm saying? You just feel dirty around them. And, and so I just, you know, so I just didn't like being around folks like that. But then, 
uh, I found out that, you know, he was struggling some areas, and, and the Lord said, you go talk to him. I ain't going to go talk to him. You go talk to him. You know, who wants to go talk to him, right? Now, here's the thing. See, I could have allowed my heart to be hard towards this fellow. Because, I mean, he's just rude, mean for years, right? Just unkind towards me all these years. And why, why me? Because of all the people in the church, he, he uh, zeroed on, in on me to destroy my character. Tell people I was lying, you know, did, had bad financial advice and all these things. And, and just this gossip about you and just the worst, you know. You go talk to him. You go help him out. Uh, I ain't doing it, Lord. Uh, but, you know, you know, when I say that, you know, what I'm saying is, Lord, I, I don't want to do it, Lord. Because, and, and, you know, it, to me it's a negotiation. Well, let's start negotiating, right? W- what's in it for me? Uh, and that's not really what I said. But, but uh, uh, I said, all right, Lord. I said, here's the deal. Because if I just walked in and said, thus said the Lord, I'd sound just like him, right? So I'm not going to do that. Uh, I said, Lord, uh, I'll go talk to him, but you work the conversation around to this topic. And if you'll do that, I'll talk to him. Otherwise, I'll just go visit with him, say hi, and then, and then I'll go. And you, you work it, because we're, we're in this together, amen? It's not just about me, it's about, you know, because he wants to help him. The Lord wants to help this, this fella. And so if the Lord wants to help him, well, then okay, then, then we'll help him. So the point of it is, you know, I could have been, I could have had a hard heart. Well, I ain't never talking to him again. But see, if the Lord needs you to, then who am I to say no to the Lord, to the great God in heaven? Amen. He's done so much for me. Why would I? To the very person that has been the thorn in my side for years, you go talk to him. All right. So I went to talk to him, and, and sure enough, he brought up something about that topic there. And, and I said, well, you know, uh, that you bring it up. Uh, what I was going to say to him was, well, you know, you were a big part of all the problems of the church. And, and the, the thing the Lord wanted me to say to him, but if you repent, the Lord will restore all those years that the locust has eaten. You know, he'll, he'll take care of it, no problem, right? But I said, I, I said uh, you are a big problem. Uh, uh, you are a big part of all the problems in the church. Well, you were too. And just shut it down, right? And, and I was not a big problem. I mean, Jerry, were you there? You were there, right? Was I a big part of the problem in the church? I was a big focus of the, of the problems in the church, you know, but I, I didn't cause any problems in the church. Now, and for all the years that I was there, because I only wanted to help be a blessing to the church. I had no, no designs on running the church or taking anything over at all. Now, and, uh, but the Lord said, you go talk to him. And, and, uh, and I did that because I don't have a hard heart. Amen. And, and look, uh, uh, there's a lot of people who left the church with a, with a broken heart. We're going to talk about that uh, in a while there. But, um, so a hard heart uh, will be unmovable to the Lord. When the Lord needs you to go do something, I'm, I'm not doing it, Lord. When the Lord needs you to repent, I'm not doing it. When the Lord needs you to change, I'm not doing it. When the Lord needs you to, to be in faith, I'm not doing it. And it's impossible for the Lord to help a person like that. Now, they can change anytime they want to. Anytime, anytime they want to, and you, gotta, you know, I'm going to stop doing that. The Lord will be right there. So it's not like it's impossible to overcome. It's just a decision because a hard heart is just a decision. It's a decision that no matter what is said, I am not changing. No matter what is done, I am not changing. No matter how much they repent, I will refuse to change. Well, see, that's a hard heart. Uh, the way that, that I'm going to live is, Lord, I'm just going to leave it all alone and I'm just going to do what, what uh, you want me to do. See, that's a pure heart because I'm just going to do, if your spirit says to do this, then I'm going to do it. If your spirit says to go talk to the very person who's caused me more grief in my life than anybody else, then I'll go do it. And I don't want to go do it. You know, it's not like, oh, please, Lord, let me go talk to him. That, never, that prayer never entered my mouth. Right? Never, right? Uh, I had no desire to do it. Because some people just don't want to be around. You know, I don't, I don't like being around drama. I don't like being around people who gossip and, and whisper and lie about people. I don't like being around that. You know, I don't like people who tell dirty jokes. He would tell dirty jokes all the time at church. I, you know, you, you think you're better than anybody else. They said that to me. Well, you think I'm better than you because I won't tell a dirty joke? I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, the pig fell in a mud puddle. I'm talking about, you know, jokes that you don't have to tell your mama, you know, and those kind of really jokes like that, right? And I'm not doing that. Well, you just think you're better. What do you, what's that even mean? It's got nothing to do with that. I just don't want lightning to strike, amen? Uh, and so, so let's turn over to, the, to uh, Matthew or to Mark here. And so, you know, the thing about the, thing about, uh, the heart here is, you know, if you've got a hard heart, this is not just for, well, that's just for super unspiritual people. You know, us spiritual people never deal with things like that, right? Because we're so perfect and so good, we never deal with hard hearts, right? It's only for the bad people, right? Uh, and we love to segregate ourselves and to say, well, I'm really good and, and you know, 
all that matters is I'm better than you, right? And, and so we have to make sure that we, we don't fall into that trap. But here in, in, in uh, uh, Mark chapter 16, so Mark chapter 16 is right after the resurrection of Jesus, right? So he, he went to the cross, died, and was resurrected from the dead. And it says here on verse 9, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And I just love that. Right? Don't you love that of all the people? Do you think Jesus did anything by accident? All the people he could appear to, he appeared to a woman. That makes all the, the super sexist men in the world so mad. You know, how dare he appear to a woman first? Because he could have appeared to anybody, right? I mean, he, you know, it's not like he like, just showed up, oh, wow, I didn't know he was going to be here. He knew everything, right? He, he, he planned it from before the foundation of the world. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to go find Mary. For, not, his mom, not his mother Mary, Mary Magdalene. Some of the people thought was a terrible person because she would, had seven devils cast out of her, right? Uh, and, so, and so what did she do when she saw Jesus? She went and told them uh, that had been with them and they mourned and wept. So she was the very first person to preach the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, a woman. Isn't that embarrassing, right, that Jesus would use a woman instead of a man to do these things? Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with Jesus, right? Uh, I can't believe he would do that. Uh, and so, uh, and there's so many wars fought in the church about women preachers, and yet the very first preacher of the, of the New Testament gospel was a woman, a, a woman who had devils cast out of her, no less, right? Not an upstanding, fine uh, religious woman of, of good character and great, uh, great name and background. No, a woman who, who had seven devils cast out. What, what devils do you reckon they were? They probably weren't good ones, right? Uh, and so it says in verse 11, and they, now, now she, th this is the apostles, right? The great spiritual men apostles, the 12 great, well, actually 11 now because we lost one of them along the way, but we're, we're still at 11 apostles. So she's talking to 11 apostles, and when they heard that, that uh, he was alive and had been seen of her, they believed not. Well, they didn't believe her. How many problems have men got into by not believing in women, right? Well, they believed her not. Why? Oh, it's you. There's no way he'd appear to you, right? Uh, and so, uh, so it says in verse 12, after that he appeared in another form, Unto two of them, right? If you go to the book of Luke, that's on the road to Emmaus, and there was the two disciples there, and they were talking and, and, and uh, spent a long time talking to Jesus. And so the second group of people they appeared to still wasn't the apostles. It's some two guys, right? Just two random people. Not the apostles, not disciples. You know, they knew of Jesus, but it wasn't like the close in, in, uh, inner circle of Jesus. It was just, let's go appear to those two. Well, who are they? There's nobody. Okay, that's who I want to appear to. Let's go talk to them next. Uh, and so... That's what he did. He went uh, and appeared to, to, the, to the second group of people, still not the apostles. Uh, and, and it says in verse 13, and they went and told it unto the residue. Again, the, the, the 11 spiritual apostles, neither believed they them. So now Jesus is smart because he'll set you up. I mean, he will, he will spend days and months and years sometimes setting us up to help us out. So, so he's trying to set up these apostles to help him out. Because, see, they're thinking, you know, how many times do they say, Lord, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Can I sit at your right hand when you come into the kingdom? Right? Can I be somebody special when you, when you come into your kingdom? And they're all thinking, Jesus is going to come back to go over the world, and we're going to be, you know, number two in the world. And, and the, their whole thoughts were just, I'm so important. I'm so awesome, so wonderful. Jesus loves me, you know, and he doesn't love you. Uh, and, and, and they kind of had this whole attitude about it. And how many times did he have to correct them? You know, be like a child. Don't be full of pride over and over again, right? And, and, so, and, he, and he's continuing that same process right here by appearing to a woman first, then to two nobodies second, right? And then and it said, finally it says, afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So what, what was their problem? I ain't believing it. I refuse to believe it. I don't care who you are. There's no way he'd appear to you. Who are you? And their hearts go hard. And so he sent them a second group of people. Hey, we saw Jesus. There's no way he'd, he'd appear to you first. He'd, he'd have to appear to me first. I'm so important. And you've got to be careful. You start thinking you're all that, he will send some woman to you, right? Uh, he will send, uh, just like that fellow that I tried to help, he will send the very person to you that you were so mean to all those years. 
Now, and, and you think it's so below you, he's going to send that very person to you. And that's what he did. He sent me to that person, right? And that person was so hardened in their heart towards me. And I had never done nothing to them, ever. Uh, and, and so... Uh, so he upbraided. Now, upbraid is, is a strong word, right? If you go to James chapter 1, I mean, it just basically whoops you upside the head, right? I mean, he just, now he didn't, he didn't put six inches of D's on him. He didn't break a leg, but he did excoriate him with his words. How dare you not listen to one of my children, to one of my servants? Who do you think you are? Uh, you know, those words, no doubt, were strong because the word upbraid is a very strong word, a very strong rebuke to the, to the great apostles, right? Uh, for their unbelief, Remember, we talked about unbelief. That's a decision. I choose not to believe. But then the worst case after that is hardness of heart. I don't care who you send, Lord. I'm not believing anybody. Now you've set yourself in concrete, and you will not change. Uh, and he upbraided them. The, the great apostles, right? Peter and James and John, right? I mean, all, all these uh, great apostles and Matthias, uh, Bartholomew, right? I mean, what's Bartholomew done lately? I don't know, but Thaddeus, right? Now, all these guys, and, uh, and he upbraided them. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you get to be all spiritual and you, and you harden your heart, he will upbraid you as well. Now, he'll do it with his words. He won't do it with, with sickness and disease and poverty and lack and, and destruction and all that. But he will come to you and say, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? He, 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 will, get, he will get, if you allow him to, right? Now, they were still apparently a sliver enough of, of faith in their hearts to listen to him. Because oftentimes when people harden their hearts, he can't, it, it may be decades before he can help them. Now, he, every day he tries to, but, you know, if, if there's not a window of opportunity, he, he may not be able to squeeze in there for a long time. Uh, but, but if he can, he will, because he cares about us. Amen? Uh, and so, now, now here's the thing, uh, and I want to say this, and then we'll go. This is in, in Mark 16, right? To be upbraided from the Lord is, a, is about as strong of rebuke as you can possibly get. Amen? I mean, I can't imagine being upbraided like this for my unbelief. How you're so full of, now, of course, other times he said, uh, how is it you have no faith? You know, that's pretty tough, right? Because uh, sometimes you'd say, how is it, oh, you have little faith. But one time he said, how is it you have no faith? That's tough. But then he said, here, he upbraided them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. So they'd settle themselves that there's no way God would appear to anybody other than me. Uh, and, and he dealt with it. He rebuked them and apparently they repented and immediately, verse 15, he says unto them, go you into all the world to preach the gospel. And verse 15 through 18 is a great, the great commission, right? But, but the point is, the Lord didn't kick them to the curb. When they did wrong, he dealt with it, and he moved on. And he dealt with it in a strong way, but he still moved on. Uh, and that, that should bode well for us. You know, one thing, when, I, when my kids were younger, the Lord, uh, the Lord rebuked me about uh, one of my kids because they'd done something wrong. You know, I'm sure it was some horrible thing. You know, they probably... Ate, ate too long or whatever. I don't know what they did, you know. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I went and disciplined them, but I was still mad after I disciplined them. And the Lord rebuked me. He said, if you're still mad after, after you've disciplined them, he said, you're wrong. Well, no, Lord, I'm not wrong. Do you see what they did? They're, it's, not, it's them. It's them, not me. You ever done that? It's them, not me. Uh, he said, if you're still mad after you've disciplined them, he said, you're wrong. And he reminded me of this story right here. Did he discipline them? Did he, did he upbraid them? Did he correct them or rebuke them? And then immediately he said, now go into all the world. Use my name, cast out devils, raise the dead, whatever you got to do, you know, do all these wonderful things. Uh, and so the Lord doesn't hold grudges against us. Now we'll hold grudges till forever, right? You do me wrong, you know, man, you're on the list. But you know, you can go say, hey, you know, what you did was wrong. Uh, and then move on, amen? If the Lord can do that with the very people that here, that were the, the, showed the worst example of being a Christian that they can be, right? Not believing anybody. You just, why? Why don't you believe them? Because I'm more special than you are. That's why they didn't believe them. That's terrible, right? That's, these are terrible things that they're doing. And yet he rebuked them and then he moved on. Amen. So, uh, so apparently, you know, you can get past having a hard heart. Amen. And it's just a choice. It's just uh, uh, the Lord will show you your heart is unmovable in this area. And in that moment, when you see it, because you don't see it, you know, you don't see it, but, uh, but he'll show you. But, if, but when he shows you that your heart is wrong in this area, you know, your best response is, yes, sir, I'll be glad to change, right? Uh, if the disciples can change, I can change, right? Because there's blessings in changing. 
why, why do you want to hold on to that? Why do you want to stay hard in your heart? For whatever the circumstance, it doesn't matter what it is, right? It doesn't matter the circumstance, the situation, the person. It doesn't matter. Why would you want to hold on to that? If the Lord wants you to, to get rid of that, why would you want to hold on to that? Well, you don't know what they did, but you're not punishing them. They don't care. You know, and that's the worst thing is they, they were unkind to you, and they don't care. That fellow, all those years, he didn't care. Yeah, I mean, just so, so mean and rude to, as a Christian, right? Same church for years. He didn't care. He still doesn't care. And that's fine, right? I'm not mad at him or anything. I've moved on, but uh, uh, I'm not going to have a hard heart towards him because it's not helping me to have a hard heart. Uh, if I have a hard heart, then I can't enter into rest. I can't mix the word of God with faith, amen? Uh, and so it's a lose-lose situation for me, amen? And I'll, I'll cast that care on the Lord. Lord, you deal with it however you want to. If you want to give them mercy, praise God, give them mercy, right? If you want to, if you want to upbraid them for their unbelief, whatever, none of my business, Lord. You do whatever you want to, amen? Uh, and it will be okay. So, so we'll, we'll finish up talking about that. Well, we won't do it next week because uh, we've got the guest minister. But, um, but these are areas, you know, these are things written to the church. And we in the church have this capacity, unfortunately, to be this way. And it's a terrible thing for us to be this way for us. Uh, and also, you know, it limits our ability to be a blessing to those around us. Amen. Uh, and uh, but it's OK. You know, we can we can overcome it. Amen. Uh, but if the Lord talked that much about this aspect of the condition of our heart, it seems like we, we need to learn about that. Amen. And so a couple more things. We'll talk about that. And uh, because we uh, the, the last area of the heart we want to talk about before we get into the final discussion of the pure heart is a broken heart because Jesus talked about. It. So we want to talk about what does it mean to have a broken heart? And can you overcome it? And, and, um, uh, and so we'll, we'll look at that. We won't go into all the details there are about that, but uh, uh, I think it'd be helpful to look at that because there's so many, I see so many people in the church that are that way, that have broken hearts, and they don't know how to change and overcome that. Amen? And it's like, like anything, it's actually pretty easy. People tell me all the time, well, I'm working on it. No, you're not working on it. Yeah, you ain't working on it. You know, because you, you can do it anytime you want to, right? Well, how long have you been working on it? 16 years. Yeah, you, you sure ain't working on it, you know. I mean, if it's 16 minutes, I'll let you, I'll let you go, right? But if it's 16 years, you ain't working on it. You ain't doing nothing about it. Uh, and I'm not being mean about it, but faith works, amen? If you choose to, to work on it, it'll, it'll work. It'll change and be over with in, in, in minutes and maybe days. You know, we'll give you a few days, but if you're working on it a year, you ain't working on it. Uh, and so I'm mad at nobody, you know. Well, you don't understand. Well, you know, let's compare stories if you want to, right? Uh, and uh, let's, have a, let's have a contest, you want to, about who's had a harder life. Uh, it doesn't matter. I've not had a hard life. I've had a wonderful life. Amen. Uh, so let's pray. And we're going to receive communion here in just a minute. So we'll pray and uh, thank the Lord for his word, and then we'll receive communion. So, Father, we thank you for uh, your blessings. And, Father, we thank you that you desired more than anything from centuries ago that you would put a, a, uh, a, a heart of flesh in our lives, Father, that we can live our lives that are pliable and easy to be changed and molded into the people that you want us to become and father we choose to live that way we choose to live a life that you can change us in whatever fashion you, you desire and mold us into the people that you desire us to be father because it, it's always good it's always a blessing whatever you desire for us father it's always a blessing it's never hard against us you don't have no desire to be unkind towards us father you desire only goodness for us and so father we choose to live that way and as you show us areas in our lives where we've not uh used faith and applied faith to your word and allowed ourselves to have a hard heart. Father, I, I ask you to help us to see that, to see any area where we've gotten uh, our hearts hardened towards people around us or circumstances or places or whatever the thing may be, Father, you'll show us. And as you show us, you also empower us to change and to break up that heart, uh, that stony heart, Father, and go back to having a heart of flesh, as you said and promised in your word. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And for all of these things, Lord, we give you the praise and the honor, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We got time to receive communion real quick. I, th I think uh, you got to be anywhere. You know, the Baptists already beat us to the uh, restaurant, so, you know, um, it'll be all right. Amen. I think, uh, what, there's two more uh, Mexican restaurants opening up in town. So, you know, that's, what, like 87 now? So, I mean, that's, that's awesome, right? Oh, and, and um, did you see the, the police were there? Uh, for the uh, KFC opening up. You know, you live in a small town when you're going to have police escort to eat a ch uh, piece of chicken, right? Uh, and so, anyone didn't do anything. He's sitting there with his lights flashing and, and uh, scrolling through Facebook, I'm sure, because he wasn't out actually doing anything. He was just sitting there on the highway with his lights flashing. And so, 
Uh, that's big news in a small town, right? You, we, got new, we got new KFC. Now, I like it. You like KFC? I like KFC. Uh, what's that? I know, and it went away. I know. I don't know why they got rid of it, you know. Uh, yeah, they got rid of it. And this is, this is the KFC version 2, right? Um, and so, um, uh, but um, anyway, yeah, we live in a, it, it's, it's always interesting to live in a small town, you know, what things are important to us. But um, uh, and I know when, when they opened up a, a Chick-fil-A where I used to live, and uh, I mean, you thought it was the second coming of Lord Jesus. It was just lined up for, I mean, like a mile down the road. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I like, K- like Chick-fil-A, but it's just chicken, right? I mean, it, it's pretty good, but it's not that good. And I don't know anything that's good that's worth uh, waiting that long for it, you know, but um, uh, so we'll see. We'll go out to eat here in a minute. We'll see if they're still got the police escort over there, you know. <laughs> so anyway, all is well, right? Um, and um, I don't know, is anything else opening up anytime soon? I don't heard anything, you know, but um, um, so they did take away the steak and shake. I was a little sad about that, but um, um, and it's time to eat. That's why I keep thinking about food there. So, um, all right. Um, well, of course, we know uh, Jared finishes up um, handing out the uh, communion uh, to everybody. Um, there's the two components to communion, right? It's the bread and the juice. And, and we know, according to what Jesus said uh, in the Gospels, that the bread represents his body and the juice represents his blood. And he specifically said that the bread represents his body that was broken for us. So he, he was specifically talking about the harm that he received in his body for our benefit. Amen. So it wasn't just uh, the fact that he had a body and, and uh, that it, you know, it walked around the earth. It was that the body suffered on our behalf. Uh, and that suffering that it w- was received on our behalf was the stripes, you know, and all the, the pain and torture that he endured from the time that he was arrested in the garden until the time he went to the cross and died. Uh, but he's really talking about all that abuse that he took physically. In fact, the Old Testament says that he was marred more than any other man. Uh, and, and you think about uh, all the centuries of pent-up anger that the devil had against Jesus specifically, and now he gets to torture Jesus in a physical flesh. And so it wasn't just the Romans and the Jews that were torturing him. It was all the devils that, that had all this desire to harm him. And finally, after all these years, you remember how many times they tried to stone him or throw them over a cliff, and he would just walk through the midst of them. And suddenly, they could lay a finger on him. Uh, and, and they think, we've got one window here, boys. We've got one shot. And they took it. I mean, they, they beat him more than any person on the earth because of the anger and the hatred they had for him. And he, but he did that by choice, right? He wasn't a victim. He did it because he knew that if he paid the price as a just servant of God for an unjust world, that uh, he, could take, he could take the pain and agony on our behalf so that we don't have to live in pain and agony. Amen? Uh, and, and so the, the, the whole aspect of divine healing that we talk about a lot, of course, we have a healing class on Sunday afternoons, but the whole point of that is that it was a, a substitution. Jesus substituted his physical body and the pain and agony so that we can have a physical body that's free from pain and agony, just like he uh, chose to give up his life so that we could have a life with the Lord. And, of course, he got his life back, I know, but, uh, and he also got his body back. But he substituted on our behalf. Everything that he, he didn't want us to take, he took. And uh, if, if we will mix that word by faith, we can live that way. Amen. Uh, and so, so let's thank the Lord for, the, for today's communion. So, Father, we do thank you for the great blessing of you choosing to come to earth in a physical body. body. Uh, nobody made you do it. You did it by choice because you knew that at some point you would allow other people to harm you and, and uh, inflict pain and agony upon you so that you can relieve us from pain and agony. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you for the, the, the amount of kindness and love that it would take to do that. Father, is, is just, uh, we can't comprehend it, Father. It's beyond our imagination that you would do that just for us. And so we thank you for that, Father. And if you did that for us, then it's a small thing for us to believe it by faith and live in divine health. And so, Lord, we thank you for doing that so we can live all of our days on this earth free from sickness and disease. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And, Father, for the juice that represents your, your blood, Father, there's not a more precious substance in all the universe than the blood of Jesus. 
it was, it was enough, Father, uh, in the amount that came from him on the cross to pay for all the sins of the world. And not just pay for the sins, Father, but also to wash us clean from the guilt of the sins. And so, Father, because of that blood, we get to stand before you clean today. Not because we're perfect, and not because we've, we have lived the lives without any failings or sins of any kind, but because you, cho- you chose to wash us and to pay for those sins by your blood. And so, Father, we stand with all boldness before you, before the throne of grace, thanking you that we, we stand clean before you because of the work of the Lord Jesus and his blood. And we give you the praise and the honor for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Well, all right. Praise God. Well, is the Lord good? Well, um, we thank him for his goodness and kindness. And so just a couple things real quick, and then we'll receive the offering. Um, so don't forget Healing School today at 3 o'clock. Uh, Ladies Fellowship next Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, next Sunday is uh, Dr. Larry Hutton uh, out of Georgia. And um, like I said, if, if, uh, invite some folks to come out, and um, they'll enjoy his ministry there. And then uh, wish everybody a happy birthday, July happy birthdays, right? So um, we've got Miss Linda and Jared, and of course uh, the whole world is celebrating uh, Miss Eva Lou's birthday tomorrow, right? And um, she gets fireworks and everything and gets to eat a lot of food, and so that's a pretty good deal, right? And so uh, all is well, amen. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. We appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving, amen. Uh, and uh, as we are faithful to give, of course, the Lord's always faithful to do what he said he would do. He said, but my God, in uh, Philippians four nineteen, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, amen. Uh, and that's a true statement. It's always been true and always will be true if we choose to believe it by faith. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we receive the offering. And um, um, we're getting close. Hopefully um, we'll have most everything buttoned down this week. Uh, part of the, the team that uh, the contractor had all got COVID and dropped off the earth for a little while there. So that's uh, part of it right now, you know. So maybe one of these days the things get back to normal. But then you have to ask, well, what is normal? You don't even know what normal is anymore, right? So, um, but whatever it is, hopefully it'll be, uh, 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 people will be able to get back to work and get some things done, amen? Uh, and I find that story uh, with uh, all kinds of people, you know, just they have a hard time finding people that will, are willing to work, amen? Uh, and so eventually people got to get hungry, don't they? Uh, so you think they have to go back to work, so. All right, well, be blessed. Uh, uh, let's see, just... Um, uh, have a wonderful week, and uh, sorry that the Baptist beat us to lunch, but all is well. Amen. We'll see you all at uh, 3 o'clock, and uh, whenever we see you next, you're dismissed.